Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey, everybody, welcome back to you. This is another great afternoon to learn about how to be successful, how to take your life to the next level, and how to reach your goals more quickly than you could without expert advice and involvement in your life. And we have a wonderful guest here today with us, Robert Paglianeri. He is going to share with us why, when, and how to get coaching. And I'm assuming there's three types of people listening to me today. First of all, those who've already had a personal or business coach and can really attest to how valuable that is. The second person might be someone who's considered getting coaching, but really not sure about when or if they should or uh, how much would be a good price or any of those kind of things. And the third person listening might be the person who's like, I've never even considered personal coaching. What is it? And we're going to talk to all three of you today and help you understand when, why, and how to get coaching. During the next hour, you are going to learn how you know when it's time to even consider hiring a coach. You'll understand the cost of coaching as well as its return on investment. You'll understand how coaching differs from therapy. What's the difference between those two? The single issue coaching style versus the general coaching or the ongoing coaching. And also how to evaluate a coach before, during, after you work with them and when to work with a specialist versus a generalist. Our guest today is Robert Paglianeri. He is a certified personal coach who has a master's degree in psychology. He's written several books and has shared his no-nonsense approach to helping people create better, fuller, richer lives as an expert on Dr. Phil, Dr. Drew's Life Changers, 2020, Kathy Kirk, Good Morning America, Fox News, ABC News, and others. He's the founder of Richer Life, a community of passionate people who want to learn and achieve more in life and at work, and he's also the president of Pacific Wealth Advisors, a boutique wealth management firm serving sudden wealth recipients and affluent individuals. You can learn more about him at richerlife.com. At this time, we'd like to welcome you. Hi, Richard. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Marty. I appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to hear what you have to say, and we've been looking forward to this for a long time. It seems like when we first talked to you, you were ready to go gallivanting all over the world somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, this has been on the books now, I think, for maybe four or five months. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. I've had a few travels, and uh, fortunately I made it back safely. Well, that's great. That's great. And we're going to talk a little bit more later about what you do with people who come into sudden wealth because that's kind of an interesting topic too. But our uh, our call today, the training today, is to help people understand when maybe when they need a coach or even why they would need a coach and how to how to get some really good coaching. You're a personal coach. I'm a personal coach. And we probably have a lot of you listeners are coaches yourself. And so we're going to learn a lot from each other as coaches as well as share with people who might be considering hiring a coach at some point along the way. Maybe, Richard, tell me about your experience in the personal coaching or the um, uh, professional coaching zone when you got involved with it, and maybe how about what's your favorite part? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've been interested in personal development since I was probably, I don't know, 14 or 15 years old. 
I grew up in Vancouver, Washington, which is right near Portland, Oregon. And for anyone in the Northwest, they've heard of this bookstore called Powell's. It is the largest bookstore in the world. It takes up an entire block. It has multiple floors. And honestly, I, I spent so much time in the Rose Room. The Rose Room is the psychology and self-improvement section. Uh, I just spent hours and hours in there in, in my teens just because I was so fascinated with human behavior and also just why we do the things that we do, the good things and even the crazy things. And so psychology and the study of human behavior is something that I've just been interested in for a long time. I have an undergrad in psychology, and but then I, I veered off into finance because finance is another area that I'm really very much interested in. Um, but over the last couple of decades, I've been studying. I've got my master's in, in psychology and became a coach really only because of a personal interest in it. Uh, my business is working with sudden wealth recipients. So I didn't go into this to change a career or to even make money at it. I really went into it just because I was so fascinated by it. And so uh, with a lot of coaches, I know this is, a, uh, it, this is their business, this is what they do day in and day out, but I approached it a little bit differently. And so I'm able to work with really just a, a handful of clients, only those who I really want to, to work with. And, and I found coaching to be just a natural fit for me, just with my personality and, and with my background. Cool. Cool. And um, just for those of you who are listening, I kind of do niche marketing as or niche um, coaching as well. Just on a per, I actually just do on a per minute basis, Richard. Where people just they've they've been through my program or whatever, and they're just like, I just need clarification a little bit. So I don't do the ongoing kind at all. We're going to talk a little bit about the differences there. And basically, what I wanted to share right now, after your great uh, introduction of your own approach to coaching uh, as well as mine is that coaching is done in many, many different ways. There isn't like a right way or a wrong way. There's just many ways. And through the years, and maybe Richard, you can share some of your own experiences here too. Through the years, I've actually found coaches who will coach me on an ongoing basis and others who would coach me for as few as, you know, five or 15 minutes. Oftentimes I'll pay a coach for 15 minutes because what I really need in that moment is I just need an extra set of eyes. I need an extra a person that isn't emotionally involved to just step into my step into my situation and help me to step back a little bit. And sometimes the coach can do that for me. So that's kind of how I've used it. How about for you, Richard? Have you ever had coaching yourself? Uh, have I ever received coaching? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, during during my uh, coaching certification training, uh, I did g- receive coaching. I provided it and also received it. I, I think it's important to at least experience it, so you you know just your own your own uh, sort of your own approach as being the client and right. Right. And, and just the re- how that relationship really is quite different from being the coach versus being the client. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and talk about how someone might know that it's time to even consider hiring a coach. And and maybe before we go there, let's just step back a second. And I like to think of a coach as a person who takes raw talent and develops it. So the coach can't really give you something 
you don't already have except for the ability to see what you have, to use what you have, to hone those skills. So when would a person, um, Richard, how, how would a person come to know that it's time? You know, I think for a lot of people, they don't need a coach. And it's probably hearsay yeah. to say that on, on this. No, uh, that's great. But, I, but I, I don't think for a lot of people they're at the point where they need a coach. I think right. there's really two areas when someone should start to consider hiring a coach. It, one is if they are doing exceptionally well and they want to do even better, or mm-hmm. if they're struggling in a certain area and they've tried to work on it themselves. Maybe they've read books, they've talked to friends, they've talked to colleagues, but, it's, but something in their life is sort of holding them back and they're just unable to get over it or around it. I think for each of those situations, a coach it can be vital to take them to that next level. And that's really what I think of uh, as coaching. And I know we're going to talk about coaching versus therapy, but coaching in my mind is going to that next level, improving some yeah. area of your life. Absolutely. That's, I'm so glad you started there because it's so true. And a lot of times, actually, what I will do with myself is I will say, okay, if I was my own coach, what would I tell me right now? Because <laughs> a lot of times you don't need a coach. What you really need is a kick in the pants. <laughs> you know? That's exactly right. I do think that a lot of times we do know the answer. Uh, if exactly. we're struggling uh-huh. with something and if we sat back and really looked at it objectively, which obviously sometimes can be difficult, if you're in the middle of it. But if you could step back, you, you probably have a solution or two that you could at least try. And I think if you've tried, really if you've exhausted all of your ideas, then it makes sense to bring in somebody else to look at it from a fresh perspective and to really sort of kick you in the butt, like you said, and to, to take that further action that maybe you haven't, haven't even seen before. You know, I um, there were the two things that are coming to my mind. One is that I was just I just had a, a audit this afternoon. We have a restaurant and a retail store too, and our restaurant every year has to have a insurance audit for our um, whatever you call it, the um, workers comp insurance. They just come and audit the books to make sure that you're all you know good. So that's just a general uh, routine thing. But my auditor was talking about he had he had had a terrible accident about a year ago, and um, just awful he broke his hip and he he broke his um he broke his uh, back in this fall and in therapy he said at one point he had looked at the therapist and he said to her he said he said is this really supposed to hurt this bad because he was worried he was you know doing damage yeah to himself and uh, she said well just a minute let me just check your chart (laughs) and then she very sarcastically said to him well, I see here on your chart it says that you are a prissy girl and that you don't want to have any pain. And she said, but, but she said, you either can do this exercise right here, right now with me, or she said, if you want to sit in that wheelchair for the rest of your life, you can just skip it because it's really your choice. And you guys, that's what a coach really does. A coach really says, you've got to look at this with um, kind of hard eyes and say, these are my choices what am I really going to do? And, and a coach is going to call you to the next level up. Yeah, let's clarify that. A good coach is going good to coach. do that. 
That's right. It's That's gotta right. be. It's gotta be a good coach. It's gotta be the right coach. It can't be someone who's just going to be the yes man or the yes woman, who's going mm-hmm. to agree with everything you say and get sucked into the the negative thinking that is so prevalent. Uh, you you sort of need that 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 person who's going to respect you, but respect you enough that they're going to tell you the truth and tell you things that you just may not be ready or want to hear. Love that. Yeah. And just like, just like the physical therapist, you know, they do. A good coach will bring a lot to the table for you. You wouldn't, as a patient, you would not necessarily know which exercises to do in which order to which intensity in order to heal the fastest. And a good coach can really bring you some of this information that you don't currently have, especially if they've already been down the road where you're walking right now and they've, or they've taken others down that road so they really know it well. They know the shortcuts as well as they know which ones look like a good shortcut and are actually dead ends so they can really help you out. We're going to take a break and come right back. Talk about understanding the cost of coaching and its ROI. We'll be right back. Do you ever need speakers for dinners, retreats, conferences, or other women's events? Check out www.womenspeakers.com. It's the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,500 Christian women speakers, some near you, and some from every level of experience and fee range you can imagine. So you're sure to find lots of great speaker options for you and your next event over at www.womenspeakers.com. That's Women Speakers. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and our guest today is Richard Paglarini, and he is here sharing with us when, why, and how to get coaching. Thanks for being here, Richard. Yeah, you're so welcome. Okay, we were talking before break about when to consider hiring a coach, and the next thing is to talk about the cost of a coach and its ROI. And, you know, this is really, I, I have to tell you from personal experience that this has held me back at times when I should be getting coaching and I have really had a hard time getting myself to do it because of the cost involved. It, it, isn't, it isn't free usually. <laughs> up. 
get somebody to come along and, and again, shift the way we're doing something or thinking about something, all of a sudden we can jump on a different track. And the, the effect might not be immediate, but over time it can be really, really remarkable from where you started. And so should you pay for coaching? Yes, but there has to be some measurable return on investment, the ROI. What I suggest to clients who are thinking about hiring a coach is instead of approaching it where you want them to change your whole life, I would say focus on one particular issue that you have, one particular area that you want help with, and see if working with that coach, you get some resolution to that or if you, you start looking at it a little bit differently. And make sure that you get some of those small successes before you start tackling much bigger issues or much bigger problems. Because, again, you need a good relationship with a coach. It's got to be a good fit for you. And you want to make sure that, that it's effective. And so before you commit a lot of money or time in working with someone, make sure that there is some success early on. And to do that, choose smaller kinds of issues. Absolutely. One of the things that a lot of coaches, not all coaches, and, and there's good reasons not to do this for a coach also, but a lot of coaches offer a free session. And that's just so that you can kind of try them on for size and just to see, is this really the type of coach that I need? Is this going to motivate me? Is this going to help me? Is it going to, am I going to respond to this or am I going to just buck it the whole time and think, well, that's dumb and I'm not going to do it? I mean, you might as well not invest if you're not going to you know, you're not going to go for it. And and some some coaching styles and some individuals just rub each other the wrong way. Uh, you know, so to try, to try to figure that out before you get involved in a long-term coaching relationship is a great is a great plan. I think for me for me the the short um, the short either free or the short paid engagements for me because this is how I kind of work anyway. But um, they they've really helped me to clarify. You know, who's a good coach fit for me and who really isn't? Yeah, I think that's important. Start early on a couple of small things that you're dealing Mm -hmm. with and see what the results are. If you find that it's not a good fit or you're just not seeing those results, start working with someone else. Try that free coaching session. My big complaint with the free coaching session is that often they're just a, a mask for a sales pitch. And I, 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 it just really irritates me um, when someone who wants to learn about coaching, wants to experience even just a taste of it, uh, instead they, they really just get a marketing pitch about, uh, about coaching and, and why they should sign up for a coaching package. So if, if you're going to do one of those coaching, coaching sessions, I strongly recommend, as coaches out there, Provide some value. Make, you know, make a good part of that first session focused on a particular issue that they have so they can immediately see the results from that. And, I mean, I honestly think that's how you get clients is you provide Absolutely. them with immediate results and then they're, they're, they're going to want to come back. Not only that, but let's say that the client really only, because this was actually my situation several times through the years. I've hired a coach for 15 minutes. 
because I knew I'm very laser focused myself. And when I coach with people, I'm very laser focused with them. But so for myself, I knew exactly what I needed going in. That's not true for a lot of people. A lot of people don't know what they need going in. And it takes a long time to just figure out what they need. But uh, for me, I knew exactly what I needed. I would laser coach with that coach for 15 minutes. I'd actually get a resolution. Now, it's possible that that coach would never be someone that I'd need again ever. However, if I came upon somebody that had a need that would that match with that coach, guess what? If they were good coaching me in 15 minutes, I'm going to give them a great referral, uh, you know, down the road. So even if that person doesn't come back to you, and they most likely will, but even if they don't, your reputation is at stake. And if all you did is spent that 15 minutes or 30 minutes doing the sales pitch, you've lost both them and anybody they could ever refer to you. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so true. And I, I really love your approach with this by-minute coaching. I, I honestly hadn't really been, uh, have heard of that type of approach before. And I think it could be really very effective because I think one of the real roadblocks for a lot of people out there when they start thinking about working with a coach is that they, they think of it as a, as a huge commitment, as a month or three-month commitment and thousands of dollars that they're going to have to fork over. I think, a, I think coaching would be much more uh, just utilized if people knew that, hey, listen, five or ten minutes, half hour even, that they can jump on the phone and get some real clear guidance on a particular topic and then go about their lives, maybe implement the advice, and then a week or two or a month or three later, all of a sudden they've got another issue, they pop back on the phone, and they get, they get advice again. I really like that approach for a lot of people. And I think for me, coaches, you want to listen to this part too. It's important because it could, change. <laughs> it could definitely change your coaching business. But for me, I provide a pre-coaching worksheet that actually usually solves the problem for the person before they ever get to me, and I provide that worksheet for free. So basically what I do for people, and this is what I do in my whole life, Richard, uh, because I, I really am not a, a very good handholder. We're going to talk about that in a minute, the difference between coaching and therapy, but I'm, I'm not that person. I, I run a couple businesses. I have this whole online training thing and, and the women's directory and all that. So uh, I don't really have time to do coaching, and that's really not why I exist. But I do really like people to find the answers that they're – I like to help them get to that right away. And so what I do is I provide this, this sheet that helps them narrow down specifically what they're looking for, helps them identify what they've already tried that didn't work, and helps them brainstorm by themselves what they might try next. And actually, by the time they're done with that, usually they don't even need me. <laughs> you can, uh, <laughs> that's you great. That sounds like a, just a fantastic worksheet. Yeah, it is. It's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. But you know, I mean, a coach, a coach. If you're going to be, if you're going to actually get on the phone with me, I'm expensive. I'm not as expensive as some, but you know, I'm expensive because I just don't have that much time available, and so it's on a, you know, demand and whatever basis. But uh, some coaches are very, very expensive. Some are very reasonable. But you want to look at the return on investment. One of the things that I wrote up was just the seven common gains cited by coaching clients. First of all, you can regain or retain your life balance. That's huge. Uh, number two is that you can increase productivity, organization, or bottom line profitability. Number three is you can improve teamwork, job satisfaction, relationships. That's from Fortune 1000 executives. Uh, Booz Allen, Kodak, their employees.com. 
got personal coaching said that they get a high return on their coaching investment. Uh, you can identify key strategies and establish a plan of action. McGraw people said that you, it helped them to orient quickly to new responsibilities. An American Management Association uh, employee said that it helps them develop next generation products and processes. So there's all kinds of reasons why you might want to get coaching, and there's all kinds of ways that you can judge whether or not it was beneficial to you. But whatever way you pick, you do have to you do have to identify, did I get my money's worth? Because you can't just keep throwing money at coaching and never seeing results. Richard, when you think of somebody going into coaching for the first time, how, how do you think that they could say, step back and say, was that really worth my money? I think it could be really clear. And when we talk about return on investment, often that's associated with uh, with, a, with some sort of dollar figure. But clearly that's not always the case when it comes to coaching. But I do think that you can quickly identify whether coaching has been effective or not if there is a real change in your life or some aspect of it yeah. as a result of the coaching. So I, I think it's important when you go into a coaching relationship that there is an identified goal or identified solution that you want, some sort of change in your life that you want to have as a result of coaching. And then it's simply a matter of at the end of the month or at the end of the package, are you closer to that goal or not? And I think that's how you identify whether there has been a return on investment. And yeah. you can't, if there isn't any progress toward that desired outcome, you can't necessarily blame the coach. You have to look at what your involvement was. And I think for a lot of people that are thinking about coaching, they look at coaching as a solution. It's not a solution. Coaching is simply a strategy to help you get to the, to the desired outcome. It's one of many possible strategies. But if you go into it thinking, well, I've got, I, I, here's what I want to do with my life. I've got this problem. I, I'm going to hire a coach. Like, that's the solution. Oh, I'm just going to hire a coach. Well, that's not the right way to approach it. The, the coach can assist and help, but that's not the solution in and of itself. There's a whole lot of extra work that you have to do when you get off that call with your coach that you have to start to implement. So I think you have to have a desired outcome. You have to identify that with your coach. This is what I want, or this is what I don't want anymore, and make that the target, and then you can quickly see how close you are to hitting that target at the end of each call, at the end of each month, at the end of each quarter. You will know how close and how large that return on investment has been. That is so great. You guys, just listen to that one more time. <laughs> you just have it. That's great. It's so important that, first of all, you take responsibility for your own outcome. Second of all, that you find a coach that will agree with you that your outcome is reasonable. And by the way, a good coach will often tell you that is not a reasonable goal for you. Um, we, have to, we have to rework that uh, goal in order to make that reasonable. A good coach who's – and I don't know, Richard, for you, for me – I'm always working with I'm working with a lot of experts in specific areas. Um, you have this expertise in financially helping people who've come into sudden wealth. Um, you have this area of expertise, and if I'm going to think about getting coaching, if I was in that setting and needed advice, I would definitely want someone like you. I wouldn't want the person who does retirement funds all day long or who does 
you know, how to start a nest egg at the beginning of your early 20s. You know what I mean? You really want to find a coach that is going to be able to say to you, after hearing your story, after hearing your goals, to say to you, yes, what you're thinking about is feasible or, you know, it maybe is, but we got to make some tweaks or we have a lot of work to do before we even get there. Um, Richard, if, if you're coaching somebody and they're pie in the sky and, and way, way, uh, their, their goals and dreams for what they have available are too big, um, it's a kindness. I believe it's a kindness to tell them no. One of the, one of the best types of coaching or I say relationships because I, I don't even have coaching yeah. clients anymore. I, right. I just because exactly. like you, I'm really busy. I, I enjoy yeah. it. I just don't have time. But right. one of the one of the things I've always loved is I, I call it the the impossible goals, and yeah. these are the things that people have in the back of their mind that they rarely share with anybody. But it's something that they've always wanted to do or achieve or have or you name it. There's something there that they've always thought about, but then they've always told themselves, well, it's impossible, I can't do it, there's no way, why even bother? I honestly love working with clients on their impossible goal and helping them see if they can actually obtain it. And sometimes the impossible goal is really quite possible, but they don't realize it. Uh, maybe it's they, they've always wanted to write the novel that they've they've thought about for two decades, but they've just they think they can't do it. And sitting down with them and coming up with a strategy to to sort of help them realize that impossible goal, or it could be a goal that's that's really almost impossible. <laughs> but even the act of going after it gives them such joy that it's worth it, even if they don't obtain it. Um, and so for those clients, I love working with them because you're, you're helping someone almost realize something that they thought they never could do. And that, right. that's pretty exciting when, uh, when you see someone that start is. to work on a, on a, to go down a path that they never thought they would be able to. That's so true. I was, I was thinking about a, a coaching experience I had earlier this week with a gal who's, um, whose marriage is in trouble and she was telling me what she was going to do to solve that and I said I said but that that will not work because you don't get to actually choose for him you only get to choose for you so there's two different two different parts of goals there's the part that the part that feels impossible but is possible and then there's the parts where you're just being unrealistic um, you don't get to choose for other people what they're going to do but you can certainly set people up uh, with all kinds of reasons to in this situation love you and uh, want to stay and want to devote themselves to you, but you don't get to pick if that's what they're going to actually be able to do. So in coaching... Yeah, that's, in coaching, that's, a, that's a huge distinction. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because, uh, I mean, I think so many of us think, oh, well, it would be great if such and such person did this or that. that that's You cannot control, although right. wouldn't it be great, you cannot control <laughs> other people. <laughs> uh, you can only you can only sort of control your uh, yourself and your own thoughts, your own emotions, and your own behaviors. And so that that really is an important distinction. Awesome. We're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about how coaching differs from therapy, and also when you would get single uh, a single coaching experience versus a, an ongoing relationship. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
successfully maximizing the gifts God has given us is the best gift that we can give back to God. Are you 100% clear about why you're here, about how God defines success for you personally? Are you on track with God's plan for your life? The best life on planet Earth followed by the best possible eternity for you? If not, check out the Success Principles Intensive Training course over at Marnie.com. It's a six-hour online program that will change how you define and do your life from today forward. It's a biblically-based approach to goal-setting and achievement. So check it out under the Training tab at Marnie.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I'm so excited that you are here with us this afternoon. And so many of you are here with us live today that we are once again on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. I'd love to be there out of 19,000 shows right now. We're on the front page with Robert, and so happy that you are here. Robert, I keep wanting to call you Robert. Richard, you're not Robert. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I am Robert. I'm not Richard. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I, but I, I have to tell you, I, so many people call me Richard that I, I just I go with it. So Richard, Robert, you pretty much oh call me anything. That's so funny. I have I see here that I have it on our show notes both ways. Because every time every time I go to say your name, I go to say Robert, and then I see it on the top of the page here, and I go, Oh, yes, subconsciously you know that it's Robert. So oh, that's fine. What, whatever you want to call me. That's so bad. Well, thank you. You're so gracious. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry. Guys, Robert. <laughs> this is Robert with us from RichardLife.com. Go check him out his website. That's awesome. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, coaching, the ROI of coaching. You know, it is an investment usually to do coaching. And we wanted to just step back here for a moment and just differentiate coaching from therapy. So maybe just have at that. Huge difference. They're often confused, but there are major, major differences between the two. And I think bad coaches uh, don't realize the difference. Uh, mm. So here, here's, here's how I think of it, and you might have your own take on it. I think of therapy, of counseling, of uh, the, the psychology of therapy as getting you back to normal, getting you whole again. So there's, a, there's an area in your life, maybe you have anxiety, you have uh, uh, depression, there's something that's happened or something that you're thinking about, and now you need to get back to uh, a place where you feel like yourself again. That's therapy. It's really focused on a problem that you may have or you may have experienced. Coaching is the exact opposite of that. Coaching does not try to make you whole. It tries to make you better than where you started. So, and it doesn't focus so much on problems. It focuses on solutions. It's not about where you've been and what you've experienced. That's therapy. Coaching is about where you are going, where you want to go, and what you want to have. And when I was going through my psychology, uh, my master's program in psychology, I was really quite defeated because so much of psychology is about problems and about right. the disease someone might have, and that was that's just not my approach. I I don't I don't think what has happened in the past can shape our future. I think it often does, but I don't think it has to. 
But I think typical traditional therapy, it's always focused on the past and it's always focused on problems. But I came across a, 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 a therapeutic modality called solution-focused therapy, SFT. And that is very similar, actually, to coaching. With solution-focused therapy, it doesn't focus on the past. It doesn't focus on problems. It focuses on, of course, the solution, where you want to go. And so there, there have been a lot of coaches and therapists that have really uh, sort of clung on to solution-focused therapy because it's very positive. It, it doesn't focus so much on the negative aspect of, of human behavior, but on the positive. So that's a great therapeutic modality for, for coaches to really uh, sink their te- teeth into. I can just hear a lot of coaches just going, yay, <laughs> that's what I was hoping for, because I think that there's such a huge difference between looking back all the time versus moving forward. I can still remember the first time that this particular vision, the SFT was put into my brain. I was in fourth grade. I was in a uh, class, and we had a special guest speaker come in. And he had been a race car driver, and he had been in a terrible accident. And he showed a video of the terrible accident, the race accident that he was in, and his car was on fire. And he talked about how the gasoline came in and and the gasoline started to pool around his feet and then come up his legs. And so when his car started on fire, he was terribly burned. So he had all of our attention, you know. (laughs) And then he said what his mistake had been is the normal mistake that all humans make is that when he saw the wall coming at him, he looked at the wall in order to be able to steer away from it. But what we must do as humans is we must look where we want to go, not where we are headed, but where we want to go. And that will allow us oftentimes to pull out of even a deadly turn. And I can still remember that from fourth grade, Robert. It had a huge impact on me. And it's really changed how I do life because I just believe in it so much. I believe that if we spend all of our time looking backwards or looking at where we're headed, if we just keep going this way, if we just keep on looking at where we're headed, I think that's exactly where we're going to go. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I love that, uh, that story, and it, it's so true. I bet the solution-focused therapists, they have a little joke, if you can imagine them having a joke. It's that you know when you go into a restaurant and you order, you don't tell the, the waiter, all of the dishes that you don't want, that's right. traditional therapy. You talk about all the problems you have and all the things that you don't want in your life. You go in mm-hmm. and you specifically choose the thing that you do want. I mean, that's, that's what solution-focused therapy, that's what coaching is all about. It's coming up with that goal and figuring out a solution to it. So, again, solution-focused therapy, I love it. It is so perfect for coaches. There are so many great tools and techniques that as a coach you can use. One of them is the, the miracle question, and then there's the, the fast forward. I mean, there's so much material there that if you start to incorporate that into your own practice, you're, you're just gonna you're gonna eat it up. It's such such that's, great stuff. That's awesome. Let's just touch on for a minute here. How do you know if you just need a, a coach for a one or two or you know maybe a month or something, or if you need a coach for a long term? Do you have like a some kind of a calculator or something that you can give us to help us understand the difference? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have a, a sort of a hard, fast rule on this, but I think there are those coaches that specialize for, 
in a particular area, and those are usually short-term kinds of engagements. And then there are those coaches that are more that are generalists that can deal with a wide variety of issues, and those tend to go on for much longer. What I found, and I could be totally wrong here, but what I've experienced in in in, uh, in this profession is that the the people who are generalists. Um, tend to have longer engagements with their clients because they can focus on a variety of issues that the client brings up over time. Uh, right. But I do tend to like the specialists better, the ones that go in like surgeons and know exactly the situation and can provide specific answers or questions or direction and really solve a particular issue or help that client go in a particular direction. Uh, so I I prefer the, the specialists. Uh, the generalists sometimes bleed over into therapy a little bit too much. So that that's why I like specialists in that regard. Yeah, I think the other thing is the if you have a specific um, a specific either behavior or goal that you are wanting to achieve, you're definitely going to want to get someone who's a specialist in that area and who will give you a, a reasonable time period. Now, it may be that there are extenuating circumstances that that time period has to be elongated. Um, you can't, you know, there's, I always call them gestation periods. There's, there's, there's standard gestation periods, but, you know, some babies come, you know, if you're talking about the analogy, some babies come very early. Some babies come late. Uh, you just got to roll with it once you're into the situation. But a coach will have a, a general idea of how long it's going to take you to achieve that goal from where you are. That's about how long you should commit to <laughs> until you reach the goal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and I think that's why it's so important early on to establish what the, what the criteria of success looks like. And, yeah. I mean, that's how I start all client engagements, whether it's coaching or is with, with sudden wealth recipients, is really focus on the end. And what, the, the question that I love is, you know, when we're done with our, with our coaching relationship and you leave here today or at the end of the relationship, how will you know that this has been a success? Like what, what will you be doing differently or thinking differently for you to tell me that this has been a true successful relationship? And then at that point, they, they define to you what their goals are, and that becomes your template in, for working with them because they've told you, when I stop working with you, I, success will look like this. And so all of a sudden, that becomes the target that, that you have to aim for. Absolutely, and I, I have an example of I don't know if you do you know Susan Harrell? Uh, she was I don't. a booker for she's a she was the booker for Oprah for several years and the first time I was um, talking to Susan Harrell I was actually on a coaching call with her and it was a private coaching call and we had an hour <laughs> and I I came in just wanting to get to know her I just thought I just wanted I just want to meet this person and uh, she's someone that I would like to have in my life as a friend and. And actually that, I, I, I received that outcome, but I don't remember a single thing we said to each other that whole hour. <laughs> and in the future, in the future after that, when I've had someone who is at that level of expertise on the phone with me, I do spend a little bit of time getting to know them and just chatting and making sure that they'll love me for the rest of their lives and I'll love them for the rest of my life. But then I spend some time getting really specific too because the change really comes for us 
um, if we already feel safe in a relationship or we already feel safe in life, then the change really comes when someone shares a piece of information or advice that we haven't had before or a way to use something we currently own in a different way to bring about a different result. And that's really what coaches can do but only if we are very specific with them about what we need. Susan, even at her level of coaching, she could not help me if I wouldn't give her a question, if I wouldn't give her something that she could help me with. She couldn't help me because I put myself in a position of not being helped. Does that make sense to you? It does, and you put yourself in a position of of not really defining what it is that you wanted. And I would honestly say the, the onus was not on you for that. I think as a coach, you, if, if the client doesn't know really what they want, they just know that they want something different, it's really up to them to extract, to pull out from the client by any means necessary what it is success would look like for them. And that can be through questions or through just banter by playing devil's advocate, whatever it is, it's really up to the coach to figure out what does this client truly want. Even if the client comes in and says, well, this is what I want, to question that and to really help them define, is that truly what they want? Hmm. That's an interesting perspective. I hadn't really thought of that. And, you know, here we're talking about a very, very experienced coach. Um, and it's possible that she did that and I didn't, I didn't uh, either catch it or that I, I was very preoccupied with my own thoughts going in uh, so that, you know, she may have done that. But it is true. I I agree with you. I agree with you, Robert, that a good coach will continue to cry a little bit, to um, turn over some more rocks until they find out, what was your real motivation for being here? Why are you here? Yeah, I mean, this coaching is not phone a friend. It's not uh, just a (laughs) casual conversation that you have with someone shooting the breeze. It It is a a specific engagement it is there is a specific reason that you're having that call what is it define it and figure out how you're going to get closer to achieving it and that's when you know whether it's been a success or not it's not you hang up the phone and you think oh wow that was a nice call i feel really good feeling really good is not a, a good enough return on investment you can call a friend and feel good at the end of the call when you're working with the coach, you have to have a specific result in mind. And it may take a few sessions in order to figure that out. I'm not suggesting that on the first phone call you've outlined the rest of your life and you know exactly what you want. But if you don't know what you want, then that's the goal. The goal is trying to figure out what it is that you want. And so each time you, you hit, hit that milestone or you reach a goal, it's what is the next one and what is the next one. And, and that's what I think true coaching is all about, is helping the client go to that next level, defining it and then helping them reach it. I love that. And just to, before we move into because now we're going to talk about how to evaluate a coach before, during, and after, and that's kind of what we have been talking about. But I wanted to just go back to the Susan Harrell example that I used here. Uh, I actually achieved my goal that day with her, in that we got to know each other and we have partnered in different programs since then. Um, and, and I would call her, you know, an acquaintance friend. And so I achieved my goal that day, and I think that she did too. Um, we, both, we both achieved our goal, but it was a lesson for me that before I would go into another coaching experience, I would really want to actually come away with some value 
as far as in that person's expertise for two reasons. First of all, for my own sake, of course, just being completely selfish about it. But then the other reason is because that other person actually loves what they do. They, they, they exist to help me. That's, that's, that they love that. They get out of bed excited to help people every day. That's why they're coaching what they're coaching. And so I think just for the, the benefit of both parties, uh, to come to come into this with a, a a better idea of what you want to take out of it is is beautiful. When you're working with a coach or when someone's working with you, Robert, what would be a glaring number one? Just glaring. This is not a good fit. <laughs> Gee, where do I start? <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so we're looking at the wall again that we don't want to hit. <laughs> we're going let me into think. therapy oh. here. <laughs> yeah, let me think about that. You know, I, I would say, and it goes along with what you just said, uh, passivity. I, I think for so many people, they live a very passive life, and they don't, they aren't inspired. I think people are not lazy. I just don't think they're, they're sufficiently inspired. And I think it's part of the job of the coach to extract from them what it is that really inspires them and help them help them try to reach it. So I think if I was working with someone and they they didn't get to the core of what it is that I wanted very quickly, and if I didn't feel inspired by, wow, I can really do this at the end of the call, then that would, for me, would be a huge red flag. I, I don't want someone who's very passive and sits back and says, just really agrees with me on most things. I want someone who is active, who, who gets in front of my face and says, this, let's figure out what it is that you want. Let's figure out what's holding you back. Let's figure out what we can do to help you go to that next level. Someone who is working just as hard as I am, not harder than I am. That's a mistake I think a lot of coaches make. They start working harder than their clients. Don't do it. I think you have to work just as hard as the client, but no harder. And so I, I want someone who's really just active, who's, who's trying to push me and pull me and tug at me to go to that next level. And if they didn't do that, then that's just more of a, uh, of a, of a acquaintance, I think. It's more of a friendship than it is someone mm. who's a, a good coach. Mm. Yeah. And I guess for me, the, the one red flag that I personally watch for is if I'm, if I'm in, the, um, in the initial session, if I feel like I am the person who should be coaching the other person in this particular area of expertise, then I'm going to need to find somebody who's a little farther down the road uh, than I am. And it's not that I can't learn anything from that person, but at that point I'd like to be a friend of that person and not be paying them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that could be a... I like going, to, a... going to my friends for doctoring advice. You know, I'd rather pay a doctor who, who's been to school and knows what they're looking at. That's right. And I always love when I'm talking to someone, whether it's a coach or just in a general conversation with someone, when I, when I sit back and I go, wow, I never, never really thought of that, sort of that epiphany, that flash mm-hmm. of insight right. maybe. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. That's really what you are looking for when working with a coach is to have those flashes of insight right. where things all of a sudden become really clear for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And you feel the sense of motivation, like, okay, now I feel like I can actually do this now. That's that's what I would look for. Two weekends ago, I went and did a series of, of um, training programs around, and um, I w- I w- that is actually what 
that just thrills me no end when I see the light bulbs going on in people's heads and they're just going, oh, yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a coach, that's actually, that's actually really what you have to have. If you are a good coach and you're just always telling people what they already know or you're always just, you know, reinforcing rules they already have down and they're already good at, that's really not coaching. That's just, you know, whatever, being a cheerleader or something. But a coach is actually going to develop something. They're going to pull something out of a person that the person didn't know was there. They're going to see something there that the person hadn't realized yet was there. And when you're looking for a good coach, that's what you're looking for is that person who's going to maybe challenge you a bit, but it's going to leave you better than they found you, even after just a short period of time. Yeah, I would say challenge a lot. I mean, I yeah. think... That that is the key to a coaching relationship. is It's constant challenge. It's yeah. of course it's it's uh, it's encouragement and support, and it's continuously pushing that bar higher for the client. That's what you're getting paid to do. You're getting paid right. to create a result in someone's life, and the, the more you can push them and challenge them to do the steps to do it, then the better off they're going to be as a result. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Listen, Marty, we're going to take one more break. Don't go away, then we're going to come back and go over Robert's uh, eight tips for what to do with the other eight hours of your day. We'll be right back. Are you registered to receive the Marnie Minute? Have you sometimes missed out on training or connection opportunities because you didn't know about them in advance? Visit Marnie.com and select Free Updates to receive email notifications so you will never miss a beat. That's free updates over at Marnie.com. Well, this hour has just flown by. Our guest today, Robert Peglarini, is available to you over at richerlife.com. And uh, he's the author of several books. One of them is called The Other Eight Hours. And in this book, he shares eight rules for maximizing the rest of your life. And, Robert, we just have a couple minutes, so I'd like to just kind of rush over these for just a bit. If you guys want to grab a pen and paper, just jot them down. Number one is keep your day job. Uh, why did you start with that one? <laughs> yeah, the whole idea with The Other Eight Hours, just very briefly, is that we work some, we sleep some, and then we have this other sliver of time. For, for people, it's, clearly it's not eight hours. It's usually something much less than that. But it's during this slice of time that we have that is our own. That's when life really happens. And if you, if you want to get ahead, if you want a new job, if you want to write that novel, if, if you want to travel, whatever it is, if you want to make more money, you have to start investing that sliver of time a little bit differently. And so these, these eight eight sort of rules sort of go in line with how you can best use that, that period of time. And the first one is don't quit your day job. Uh, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs over the years who have day jobs, who get this brilliant idea that they want to start a company or start something, and they, they want to quit their job. And that's the worst possible thing that they could possibly do. What, what you should do is continue working your full-time job. That provides the security and stability that you're going to need. Work on your, your, your side job, your side project, in your other eight hours, in that free time that you have at night or on the weekends, for as long as you possibly can. Keep that day job. It provides your income. You're going to need that. You don't want the stress of not working and then having to make this side venture work. <laughs> you know, we, we, own a, we own a retail store and a restaurant, 
uh, Robert, and when you're saying that, I'm thinking, besides, it gets you ready to be an entrepreneur because when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes you have to work that many hours anyway for no pay for a while. So it's okay if you work that many hours before you have your own business and go up and running. That's great. Number two is go nuclear. Uh, yeah, th- this is for people who uh, who have a day job, who want to do something on the side. And for them, I say, if you're, if you're, if you're going to put in the time, if you're going to do something really outrageous, then make it worthwhile. Don't spend all this time on something that's going to only incrementally better your life. If you're going to do it, make sure it pays off and it pays off big. Nice. Know your H-A-B-U. I'm curious about this one. Oh, Habu. So in real estate, there's a concept called highest and best use, H-A-B-U. And when someone comes to value to do an appraisal on your property, they won't look at it as it currently is. They'll look at it for its mm. highest and best use. So if there's a house there, the, 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 the valuation expert comes and says, well, forget about the house. We could put a strip mall here. That's its highest and best uh, use. And so for huh. each of us, we all have a highest and best use. And if we only have a sliver of time that's our own, that we need to invest that time in the thing or the couple of things that we are the best at, that, that, that are our mm-hmm. strengths. Don't waste our, this precious time on something that you're just not good at or don't enjoy. Focus on the things that you really excel at that you could probably do better than most other people. That's where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. Awesome. The next one is limit risk, and we're just going to let that be self-explanatory for the moment. Number five is swing often. Yeah, swing <laughs> often, absolutely. So everyone's heard about Babe Ruth, that he was the number one home run guy, but he also struck out more than anyone else, right? Yeah, of course. You have to take chances, but you can limit the risk by swinging often. So you start a project, test it, see if, See if there's any traction there. See if it, if it actually works, if people are interested in it. If they're not, go on to the next one. You will have failure after failure after failure. Get used to it. That's what being an entrepreneur is all about, is failing, but a smart entrepreneur doesn't risk it all on that first venture or that first idea that they have. They have, they have sort of resources to be able to help them go on to that next one. Mm, awesome. Number six is market, real quickly. Yeah, you got a market. I mean, you can have the, the greatest novel in, in the world in your head, and you can write it, and you can have boxes of it in your garage. But if you don't let people know about it, it's just going to sit there and decay. So you can have a great idea, but it's all about getting people interested in it. I think the quote there is, there's something to be said about a best-selling author. <laughs> they are a best-selling <laughs> They're out there marketing. Okay, monetizing. Yeah, right. You got to monetize. If if your goal of using your other eight hours is to make more money, then certainly whatever it is that you're going to do, you have to. There has to be some end game where you're making money on it. A lot of websites are blogging. There there is no way to make money on that. But you have to have the end game in mind of maybe I'll blog, maybe I'll get a, create a tribe, get some traction with a group of people, and then eventually be able to monetize that. That's fine, but always be thinking of how can I best use this platform that I'm developing to eventually make more money if that is your goal. Absolutely. The last one is own it, and these are all in Robert's book, The Other Eight Hours. 
Robert Pagliarini, thank you for being here today. Uh, it was so much fun. Anytime, Marnie. I love that. And you guys, if you ever come into a great big amount of money and you need some advice, Robert's your man. You can learn more about him over at richerwife.com. Of course, I want you to check out his book, The Other Eight Hours. And we'll see you here again next time. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.